scripture reading this morning is coming from two different books of the Bible. I'll give you the first one and then I'm going to give you a little time to find, uh, find number two. First one is from Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. It's on pages in your uh, pew Bible. It's on 1235 to 1236. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know know how to answer everyone. Now we're going to move over to 1 Peter chapter 3 and we'll read uh, together 13 through 16 and that's on page 1272. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Well, it's getting kind of dark, seems like today. It's a little darker in here. Got to tell you, if we all wash away, I'd be proud to wash away with y'all. So we'll just float it on down the Washita here in a little bit. Um, we're finishing up a series today, advancing the cause of Christ, and we've been in this for a while, and uh, we're, we're technically wrapping it up today. Although Easter Sunday is going to be kind of loosely connected, but we've been talking about through how, through this deal how when you sign up. For Christianity, when you sign up to follow Jesus, you don't just sign up for a religion or to go to church or whatever. You also sign up for the cause of Christ. You, you sign up for the mission that he called us to go out on, the, the same mission that God sent him on. You know, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And then Jesus in turn sent us to the world as well sent the church from the very beginning and, and the church has been doing this all along but you know we talked we've talked about each week how somehow along along the way there got to be some confusion and and pretty soon there got to be some guilt and so a lot of us when we start talking about advancing the cause of Christ and how we each have a role in that a, a lot of us end up feeling guilty for not speaking up enough and for not saying enough for not uh, you know being like the guys that we read about in the book of Acts or something, you know, where we're not just going out and walking up to strangers or knocking on doors or talking to everyone about Jesus. And so we end up feeling a lot of guilt or pressure. 
And, and we've just really in this series tried to take a step back and say, you know, biblically speaking, in the New Testament, how did the early Christians advance the cause of Christ? And we've found that there's a whole host of ways that we advance the cause of Christ beyond our words or our lips. In fact, some of the most mentioned ways are prayer and giving. Prayer seems to be the most important. Giving seems to be the second most mentioned activity in the New Testament. Ways that people, churches, local churches, would partner with the mission of God. We're not all called to be evangelists. To, to go and do like what the apostles did, did in the early days. But we all are called to promote the gospel. And there's a whole bunch of ways we can do that. But today at last we're going to get to that topic of, of using our lips, using our mouth to promote the cause of Christ. And I hope that just as with every other message of this series, that you don't leave feeling that same kind of guilt and pressure, but rather that you leave saying, hey, I can do that. And maybe even I want to do that. And so that's, that's the goal today as we embark on this last segment of this series. Now, when I say, first off, I, let me, I've got some, some good news. Let me just give the good news and bad news scenarios here. Now, I've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but just to clarify. Uh, and normally they tell you it's good wisdom to give bad news first. So you can end on a good note, but I'm not going to do that today. And because uh, I guess I just want to hold you in suspense or uh, hit you with something bad at the end. I don't know. I'm just mean like that. So we're going to start with the good news first. And the good news is, like I said, we're not all called to be evangelists. You're not all called to be evangelism pros. Okay? You're, you're not. And, and there's a whole bunch of evangelical Christians and leaders out there that, that would be ready to call for my credentials as a minister for saying that. But I would say, show me in the Bible where it says we're all supposed to be evangelists. And you might say, well, Pastor, what about that verse in the Bible that says, do the work of an evangelist? That seems pretty straightforward. And I would say, well, where did you find that verse? And you would say, well, 2 Timothy. Because you know where every verse is, right? And, and, and I would say, you're right, it's in, it's in 2 Timothy. Which was written to a guy named Timothy. Who was an evangelist. So of course he was supposed to do the work of an evangelist. He was an evangelist. And I might say, well how about looking at Ephesians 4.11. Of course you all have that memorized as well. And uh, I'm just messing with you. You're fine. And it says that even amongst the Christian leadership of the early church. There were some who were to be apostles. Some prophets. Some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers. So even amongst the leadership of the church, not all of them were called and gifted to be evangelists. In fact, I thank God that some of you weren't called to be evangelists because you'd be terrible at it. <laughs> so we need a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of different gift sets and callings all doing their part to, for the kingdom. And that looks in different ways for different people. But we're not all called to be evangelists in that sense. And an evangelist is just a term for promoting the gospel. You know, you, you, your job is to go out there and proclaim the gospel to people who haven't heard it. So that's the good news. But there's bad news. 
And the bad news is, there is one thing that we are all told to do with our words when it comes to promoting the cause of Christ. So we don't get completely off the hook here. There is one thing that we're all supposed to do. Uh, thankfully for you, it doesn't involve going door to door. It doesn't involve walking up to strangers and initiating a conversation about the gospel. But two different apostles issue the same command, the same instructions to local churches that there is one way that we are supposed to speak up with our mouth about our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be our subject today. But before we dive into it, what, you know, what do you think is our hang-up? Why, why is it that so many of us, we get nervous when this topic comes up of speaking up about our faith? You know, some of us, like I say, there's a lot of guilt attached to it, like we, we can't measure up or can't do enough. Some of us worry about what we would say if we speak up, that we wouldn't have the right words to say, that we wouldn't know what to say, or that if we did say something, it would be the wrong thing, and they'd be worse off than before they even talked to us. Uh, you know, some of us, I think, are deal with some shame. We, we have like a, 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 this weird inferiority complex somehow, like... Oh, you know, people don't really like Christians, and you know, I should just keep my mouth shut and stay in the background. And, and some of us believe that faith stuff, kind of like politics, you know, it should stay in the background. Others of us probably just shy. We don't really like to talk to anybody about anything. <laughs> so, so why would we want to talk about this? And so when people get up, you know, like I'm doing now, and, and tell you that, well, there's a way that you're supposed to speak up for the gospel, well, we get kind of nervous, and a lot of us we end up feeling guilty. Uh, we might feel ashamed a little bit. Which I think is sad because Jesus came and died and rose again to do away with our guilt and our shame. And I just don't think he'd be very thrilled if he knew that we were still living in guilt and shame over the idea of talking to people about his dying so that they wouldn't have guilt and shame. It's crazy. And so, hopefully today we're going to address that issue along with describing what it, is, what it is, this one thing that we're all called to do. And I think you're going to find that not only are we all called to do it, but we all can do it. And it doesn't take any kind of PhD or really fancy training. But first, let's just look at these two passages, particularly just some parts of them that we just read a moment ago. One is called Colossians. One is called First Peter. They're both letters that were written. One was written from the Apostle Paul to a church, a group of Colossians that lived in Colossae. And then also one from First Peter well, First Peter. From one from Peter. <laughs> he he might have been the first Peter, I don't know. But uh, he's definitely the one that was an apostle. And he wrote a letter to a group of churches that bears his name. And they both, two different guys issue the same kind of instruction, don't they? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to say that word. Everybody can say that word. How to answer everyone. And then Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer. Y'all are so loud today. Tone it down just a little bit. Okay, so 
We're called to answer. We might just sum it up right off the bat like this. We're not all called to seize every opportunity to proclaim the gospel, but we are all called to seize every opportunity to answer for our faith. In other words, we're not all called to initiate conversations about our faith. So that should take a huge weight off of you. Some people are called to do that. Missionaries and evangelists, people like that, they, they, that's what they do. They go and they initiate conversations about the gospel. They find a way to steer a conversation to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. We're not all called to be that guy or that girl. But we are all called that when it comes up in, in a conversation you're in, that you speak up for your faith. That you be prepared to give an answer. Seize each opportunity that comes to, to reply about your faith and about the reason for the hope that you have and so forth. That's kind of neat. In, in Paul's letter, he ties his mission as an evangelist to their mission as just the local church. And so he uses the same words a couple times. Like the word message and the word conversation are actually the same word and he uses kind of a play on words because sometimes that that Greek word that means word, logos, it you know sometimes is used in a proper sense for like the gospel, and sometimes it's used for more of a conversational sense, just words in general. And so he uses his, you know, he uses that same word on purpose to, it seems, to show that you know he's got his message, they've got their conversations, but they can both promote the gospel. And also the word should uses that same word. So he says, you know, help me, you know, pray for God to give me an open door for my logos, the message, the gospel, that I can proclaim it as I should. And then you also, you know, when you're talking with outsiders, let your logos, your conversation be full of grace so that you may know how you should. See, you, just as I ought to proclaim the gospel you ought to season your conversation and be prepared to answer for your faith so even though we aren't evangelists proper in the sense that Paul was he sees he seems to see our role as also important does he doesn't he as also promoting the the gospel in our own way advancing the cause of Christ in, in maybe a different way and we might say maybe a lesser way or a smaller way, but maybe not. Maybe it's just as important. Maybe it's just as important that we answer for our faith as it is for an evangelist to initiate a conversation about faith. What happens more often? Probably it comes up in conversation more often. But either way, they both say... To be prepared to answer. Now it gets translated answer, but they're actually a little different. Two different words that both, yeah, they both mean answer, but they're different kinds of answers. And, you know, Paul in Colossians, you can kind of tell from the context, you know, he's just saying, when it comes up in conversation, be prepared to reply about it. It's just a, a word for a general reply, any kind of answer about anything. 
Whereas Peter, you know, he was talking about to a church that, you know, they were maybe facing some persecution, facing some criticism. And so he was saying, you know, be careful with your life and the way that you talk to make sure that you don't give them any ammunition, you know. Uh, make sure you live a, a clean life so that they'll be, you know, ashamed in the end when they see, you know, hey, I, we can't really accuse them of anything. They're, they're just living good lives. And so his, you know, it's a slightly different context. And so his word answer is specifically a giving a defense you know, giving, be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason. So it's almost like if they're being a little critical, if they're, if they're you know, trying to get at you, just be prepared to give a defense for your faith. And that might seem a little more intimidating to us, but we're, we'll talk about kind of how this works. So maybe in their day, maybe in their day someone would just make a comment you know, with a general reply, let's say the, the folks that Paul's talking to, maybe they would just say something about, uh, well, I wonder how these Jews and how these Christians ever make it without all the gods. Like, how do they do that with just the whole one God thing? It just doesn't make sense to me. A, a pagan in their day, you know, they had tons of gods that they worshipped, each for different purposes and things, and it didn't make sense to them that you would just have one God. How would that even work? In fact, some of them called Christians atheists because they didn't believe in the pantheon of, of Roman gods. And so they might just have, you know, that might come up in conversation. And so you'd be prepared then to just reply, well, actually, it works great. <laughs> I've never gotten more help from the gods than I've gotten from God. I get way more help from God, real help that I never got from the gods. You just be prepared to reply, to, to speak up. Or, you know, in, in Peter's audience, you might have someone who, you know, it was something a little more, more intense of, man, those Christians are such bad citizens. They don't, they don't do any of the, our pagan worship stuff that's so important for our city. And I've heard that they're cannibals. Because that was one of the rumors that went around, you know, about communion. The word got around that they were, you know, that Jesus said, uh, take this bread, it's my body broken for you, and this wine, it's my blood spilled for you. And suddenly that got turned into this rumor that there was cannibalism going on in Christian circles. And so if, if you got confronted by that in that day, well, then you might need to be prepared to give a defense and just to speak up and say, look, I'm a Christian and that isn't anything like what we're doing, you know. We, we actually were some of the nicest folks you'll meet. We're, we do a lot of things for the community and, and that whole cannibalism thing, I don't know who made that up, but we, we drink wine, we eat bread. That's it. <laughs> no people. <laughs> you would be safe in one of our meetings. We would not eat you. So, you know, nowadays, it's a little bit different. Nowadays, you know, someone might say in conversation, I don't really see what you'd get out of going to church. And so you just give a general reply of, well, I get a lot out of it. Let me, let me share with you, you know, some of what God's done in my life since I became a Christian. Or, or they might say something critical, right? Like, so many Christians are, are so bigoted and hateful. You might just say, well, I don't, I don't know. Our church does a lot of really nice things for a lot of people, no matter who they are, no matter what background they come from. It's 
You know, I'm sure there's some out there that are bigoted and hateful, but it's not us. You know, be ready to give a defense, just like they did in their day. Still, we would worry that we'd say the wrong thing. At least a lot of us would. A lot of us that are overthinkers about stuff, <laughs> we overthink things and we work. You know, we always come up with the right response on the way home, you know, or, or that night as we're laying there trying to go to, I should have said this. And so we hesitate to say anything at all because we don't know what to say. And, but here's the really, really cool thing here. Both of these apostles seem to point out the same thing, seem to emphasize the same thing, that, that what matters most is not what you answer, but how you answer. It's not what you answer, but how you answer. Neither of them go into details about what you should say. And even Jesus, when he sent the apostles out, said, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. Right? So, neither of these guys, when they talk to the church, they don't, neither of them say, now when you answer, make sure you say this. <laughs> make sure you say that. Let me just give you some tips and tricks. Alright, let me give you a, a bulleted list of things you could say. And make sure you say the right one in each situation or else it's going down. You're just going to ruin it all for everybody if you don't get it right. So listen up and here's what you say. They, neither of them say that. They don't address what to say at all. But what they do say is things like, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And Peter, you know, give a, be prepared to give an answer, a defense even, for the reason that, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So give a defense, but don't do it defensively, right? Don't be defensive. Give a defense with gentleness and respect. And so they both emphasize that it's not what you say that matters, it's how you say it. And that should come as a huge relief for us, right? Because we don't have to worry about saying the exact right thing. We just have to worry about saying it right. <laughs> saying it in the right way. When we speak up, we don't have to worry about getting it all right. We just have to worry about that whole full of grace, seasoned with salt, gentleness and respect. How would, how would Jesus say this? What tone would he use? What body language would he use? And this is good news because every one of us, you know, we may not be able to rattle off just the right answer. But we can all answer the right way. I mean, even the grumpiest of us, right? We can muster a smile when we have to. We can, we can speak gently when we have to. And so this is something that all of us can do. We don't have to be an evangelist to be kind and gentle and respectful with a response. And we don't have to have all the right words and you know a three-point sermon worked out to be able to answer someone nicely. Right? Doesn't this take just a whole lot of pressure off? Now I'm going to talk a little bit about what we can say, just so you have something ready and you're not just stammering around gently. But we, we want to, I'll give you some, uh, just a tip about, you know, a, a trick or whatever you want to call it, a, a pointer on just a basic thing of a what. But as we talk about that, I want you to remember, if it feels overwhelming, don't worry about it. 
stick with the how. The how is what matters the most. And that's why both of these apostles talk about making sure that when we answer, when we say something, when we speak up about our faith, it's the how we say it that matters a lot more than what we say. Okay, that being said, let's just get practical for a second. What can we say? And I think the simplest thing we can say is just the fundamentals of the gospel. Just a simple statement of belief. And we can use this several ways. As I'll, I'll try and show you. But I believe Jesus actually lived, died for my sins, and resurrected from the dead. That is a simple summary of the gospel that is very similar to what the apostles used and mentioned in the New Testament. And it's appropriate for a whole range of situations. And it, it may seem really simple and basic and elementary to you. But I wonder... How many people in the world have actually heard a real Christian say that they actually believe that Jesus lived? That they actually believe that he died for their sins and that he rose from the dead? I wonder how many people who, who don't believe have ever heard a Christian say that they do. And so, like I say, there's several ways we can use this. In conversation, in general answers and replies. Uh, here's just some things that maybe come up sometimes. You know, people are worried about and, and wrestle with, you know, how can a, a good God allow suffering in the world? And that's a, you know, it's a hard question to answer because a lot of times people have personal experiences tied up in that. And, and how do you answer that while well, being sensitive to their feelings and things like that? So... I mean, maybe just a, an answer for your faith could be as simple as, you know, I don't have all the answers to that, but I do believe that Jesus actually lived, died for my sins, and resurrected from the dead. And, you know, and what that says is, you know, I don't know about the good God suffering question. I don't have all the answers on that. I don't have my doctorate in that subject or anything like that. I know there's books out there about it, whatever. But what I do know is Jesus suffered too. Right? Maybe someone says, you know, Christians are, are jerks and hypocrites. They're so self-righteous, whatever, you know. I can't, I can't do the church thing. Those people make me sick. You can say, yeah, I don't like them either. But I do believe that Jesus lived, died for my sins, and resurrected from the dead. You know, I don't like the jerks either. I don't want to be associated with them. I just believe that Jesus lived, died for my sins, and resurrected from the dead. And that's why I'm a Christian. Or maybe, you know, some sentiment along the lines of, well, I just think all good people go to heaven. And say, so, well, I'd probably think so too, but I just can't figure out then why would Jesus have had to come and die for our sins and resurrect from the dead. At least I believe he did. It's just as if you have that simple framework of the gospel in your mind at all times, it just it helps you with the what. You don't have to think real hard about the what because you know it just go back to Jesus, go back to Jesus, go back to you know what you believe, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. And use that to formulate your what so that you can focus on the how. Right? The gentleness and the respect, the gracious response. Now, 
you know, as you get used to that. Or if you just like a challenge. And the next step you can take with that is, is get to know more about the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Get to know stories about Jesus. Get to know Jesus' heart and, and the things that he said and the things that he did and the interactions that he had with people. And it gives you a, a whole new way to, to talk and insert little bits of the Gospel into your conversation. You know, so that when someone says, how would God allow suffering? Then you can say, I don't know, but you know how much Jesus suffered? I mean, my faith is based on Jesus Christ. And before he went to the cross, they beat him. They scourged him with a whip. And they made him carry a big, heavy wooden beam up onto a hill. And then they used that beam to crucify him and kill him slowly. I think he suffered a lot too. And that's the man I have my faith in. So, you know, again... There's, and you can, there's always, you know, there's always, when people have lots of questions, there's, there's always books about them and things. Sometimes people have lots of questions they want to talk about, but they don't really want the answers, or else they'd search for them more, you know. But we can still point them to things like that as well. You know, the, the Christians are, are jerks and hypocrites thing. You, if you've read the Gospels much, there's so many times where Jesus gets in kind of, you know, gets a little cross with some people, right? And it's almost always because they're hypocrites. So, you know, if, you, if you've read, you know, some of those stories, you might can just share one of those stories about how, you know, well, hey, Jesus did not like those guys either. So you and Jesus might get along. <laughs> you know, it's just a, a chance to, to bring up a little bit of the gospel with someone in conversation. It doesn't have to be a big spiel or lecture, just... In conversation, or, you know, a lot of people feel like it's narrow-minded to think that that one religion would have all the answers. You know, and, and they would even think that it's pretty mean-spirited to believe that all these other people and all these other religions have it wrong, and, and you have it right. It's pretty arrogant and pretty mean. And again, we go back to Jesus. And if you've read the gospel, some of you may be familiar with him saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And just to say, look, I, you know, we didn't make this up. <laughs> this is what Jesus said. That's why I believe it. Uh, have you looked much at what Jesus says? These are not perfect examples, but meant to just give you some ideas of of what you can say. But just remember that the most important thing is how you say it. And that you say it. Because we're not all called to proclaim the gospel, to initiate conversations about the gospel. But whenever something about faith comes up, whenever something about religion comes up, whenever something about church comes up, or about Jesus comes up, or about you being a Christian comes up, Don't miss the opportunity. Be prepared to take the opportunity. And just make sure that your answer is gracious, gentle, full of respect. That's a big one. This matters even on social media, by the way. 
You know, there's a lot of people who we don't find very respectable. But we're called to make sure that our speech to them is gentle and respectful. I want to give you some encouragement as we wrap this up. Just a little motivation. Inspiration. You know, that passage in 1 Peter 3.15, what we read said, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone. Da, 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 da. And they broke it up into two sentences. And I think it's kind of a shame because when I read it in two sentences, it feels like just two kind of disjointed thoughts, right? Two different thoughts that don't really have much to do with each other, but, you know, they're just in there. Sometimes, you know, the apostles, they do that. They're writing letters, and they're just like, over here and over here, and oh, squirrel, you know, and they're, it just seems distracted and all over the place. And so this one feels that way, but then when you read it, a more literal translation, and you find that it wasn't meant to be broken up into two sentences, that it's actually one connected thought. And you read that it actually, you know, a more literal translation might say, but sanctify or set apart Christ as Lord over all in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account. Then, you know, it's connected, these two things. This idea of in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Make Him the top. Remember who He is. That He has all authority. That He's over everything. And as you do that, always be ready. It reminds me of what Jesus said. Surprise that. (laughs) You know, imagine that. An apostle saying, you know, echoing Jesus. But Jesus said, remember that whole thing about go therefore and make disciples? Right before He said, go therefore and make disciples, He said, He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go. And the reason that we go and the reason that we can go with confidence and speak up about Jesus is because He is Lord. He is King. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. We don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be shy about it. We don't need to be coy about it. We don't need to be hesitant about it. We don't have to worry about saying the exact right thing. You know why? Because He is Lord of all. He is King. Just as the choir sang just a few minutes ago, right? Jesus is Lord of all. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the President of all Presidents and the Congress and the Supreme Court all wrapped in one times ten. Whatever you want to times it by. That's Him. He's Jesus. He's God. He's the King. Nobody else is. And so when He says go and speak up and do it with gentleness and respect... We say, yes, sir. And we go, and we can do it with confidence and boldness because he's the guy. And we believe that he's not dead. He rose again. And we believe he's coming again. And that one day every knee in heaven and on earth will bow down and recognize Jesus for who he is. But we already do. We already do. And we want everyone else to already do with us. <laughs> right? so, so that's why we speak up. That's why we are prepared to give an answer for our faith. Even if it's not the best answer, even if it's not the smoothest answer, even if we have to stammer a little bit, but we get it out with a smile, that's all right. We spoke up for our faith. And the Holy Spirit can use that in someone's life. Who knows?
maybe in the next year or so, we'll baptize somebody up there because of a conversation you had. And you, not, you might not even think that you said the right thing. You might not even hardly remember the conversation. And someone comes back to you and says, I've been thinking about what you said. One last thing I want to say as we wrap it up is, you know, if you get in a conversation with someone and they're pressing deeper and you don't, you feel a little bit out of, out of, you know, what you're called to do is give an answer. And if they want to go deeper, you can help them do that. But don't feel like you have to have all the answers on the spot, right? Speak up, give an answer, give a reply. If they press you for more answers or go deeper and you're not comfortable there, you can just say, well, let me see what I can find out about that and I'll get back to you. I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> I don't have all the answers right here ready. Even people that go to seminary don't have all the answers right there ready. Let me think about that. Let me look something up on that and let me get back to you. Or even, you know, use, the, use me if you need to. Hey, can I get with my pastor? Or can I get you with my pastor? He's not one of those, you know, he's not going to look down on you or anything like that. He likes to have conversations about this kind of stuff. And uh, he might have some information for you. Or you can just secretly call me and we can scheme together. <laughs> but... But don't feel like you have to have all the answers right there in that moment. Just give a a reply, gentleness and respect, and then if they want more, we can find them a book, we can have a conversation, whatever we need to do from there. Um, But let's take advantage of opportunities we have in our conversation, and let's see what God can do with it. Deal? One one person took the deal. All right. That's something. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the cause of Christ. God, sometimes we have a lot of guilt and shame and just baggage when it comes to giving an answer for our faith, even in daily conversation. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you not give up on us. You give us a new chance at this and, and begin to prompt us to speak up Give us the right words to say, but more than that, God, give us the right tone to say it with. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.